you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Welcome. Good to see you all this morning out there. And uh, to those that are online, good to see you as well this morning. My name's Lee. If you're a guest with us, I'm the lead pastor here at Heights, and uh, here in the worship center, there's a way that you can connect with us. Uh, There is a welcome card uh, there in front of you guys, and you can just simply give us what information you're comfortable with. We'd love to be able to connect with you, know who you are, see how we can pray for you, just come alongside of you and uh, just support you and serve you during this time. Uh, For those that are online, there's also a link called Connect there in the post uh, of where you're watching, and you can connect with us as well, and we'd love to be able to get to know you as well if you've just found us for the first time or maybe uh, been watching a few services. We'd love to get to know you as well. And on the back side of that card, for those that are here, uh, you can, this is for anybody at the end of our service, we have a invitation time. If you make a decision and maybe you aren't comfortable coming forward to share that with us, you can mark the card on the back, fill out a prayer request, and then at the end of our services, our offering boxes are on the tables by the doors. Uh, They're a gray box. You can just put that welcome card uh, in there online. There's a link called Decision, and uh, you can click that link there and let us know if you have a prayer request or you make a decision online as well this morning. I'm going to invite everybody, uh, whether you're in your home or you're here in person, to open to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, I'm going to pick up in verse 5 in a moment. If you've got a copy of a Bible with you or maybe there on your cell phone, I would love for you to find Luke chapter 11. Before we get into that, we want to take some time to pray. And uh, this past uh, week, and actually just yesterday when I was doing this, I was praying for our, our week ahead. Uh, we have got a, a week of really uncertainty ahead of us. Uh, we know there are, are two hurricanes, well, soon-to-be hurricanes uh, out in the Gulf. It looks like Marco has taken a little bit of right away from us. Uh, but the one right behind it, they're saying, watch that. But we know how storms go. Uh, They tend to change and move paths and all those things. And so we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, Also, we've got another big transition this week with school starting back. Uh, So a lot of teachers uh, here within our church, parents having to do maybe homeschool for the first time or virtual school. And there's a lot of uncertainty this coming week in school. So yesterday I was praying and and, uh, my Bible reading took me to Colossians chapter 1 in verse 17. And some of you are already thinking, what does this have to do with Luke 11? Nothing, but hang on, I'm getting there, okay? Uh, But in Colossians 1 and verse 17, it says this, that Christ is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. I'm going to say that again. In Christ, he's before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Remember the kid's song, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? That's what that verse means. And so as I was sitting there praying for storms coming and school starting and teachers and parents and kids and all the craziness of this week, that's the verse that jumped out at me that I wanted to share that with you is no matter what's going to happen this week, we can't control everything that'll happen, but we can control our response to it. We can control how we respond and how we worship. And so this week, I want you to hold on to Colossians 1.17, that in him, he is holding all things together. Okay, so let's open in prayer. Father, thank you so much for today. 
Lord, thank you that today we can worship you. This is a day you've made. We can be glad and rejoice in it. Father, we thank you that uh, no matter what's going to happen this week ahead with school starting back and teachers and parents and students and virtual school and homeschool, Lord, so many just kind of unanswered questions, uneasiness, uh, Father, some nervousness. Lord, we thank you that you are holding all things together. And so, Lord, we pray for our administrators, our teachers, our students, our parents, that this week they will hold on to you as you're holding all things together. Lord, we think of those that uh, these two storms are going to affect this week. Uh, Whether it comes our way, away from us, Lord, uh, we just pray those that are in the path, we remember that you hold all things together. And so, Father, we thank you that you are above all things. You're before time, you're at the end of time, you're in time. Lord, help us to rejoice and to take comfort in knowing you as our good Father. And so, Father, we just thank you. We, we pray this morning as we come into your word that right now we can we could push out later today. We can push out things that are on our minds that's coming this week. And we just can commune with you now. And we can focus on you and focus on your word and ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. What would you do if this happened to you? Now, it's probably happened to you, so some of you already know what you would do, but how would you feel if you're there asleep, and it's about midnight, and you've gotten good and comfortable, and you've been asleep for a little while, and your phone rings next to you on the table, you pick it up, you look at it, you recognize the person on caller ID, and you go, nope. You decline the call, and you put it back down couple minutes later, you've rolled back over, you're getting comfortable again, phone rings, pick it back up, caller ID, same person, decline call, you know, roll back over, a few minutes later, you're good, drifted just back off to sleep, phone rings, pick it back up, look at it, same person. What are you going to do? How are you feeling? Some of you are probably a little angry at this point. Some of you are still thinking, nope. Decline the call, put it back down. Some of you may go, you know, I, I know this person. I, I know them. They wouldn't call me at this time of night. They wouldn't call me repeatedly. Something must be wrong. I'm going to answer it. I want you to read this story with me in Luke chapter 11. And let's pick up in verse 5. We're going to read the word of God together. So I encourage you to stand as we honor the Lord in the reading of his word. Jesus is telling a, a parable about prayer. Now, what he's done in verses 1 through 4 is he's taught us how to pray. He said, here's a model of how to pray, that we can address God as Father. We can ask God for our daily bread. We can ask God to forgive us. And now he's going to show us, I believe, the compassion and heart of God in prayer. Pick up with me in verse 5. He said, and he said to them, which of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer him from within, do not bother me. The door's shut. My children are in in bed with me. I cannot give up and give you anything. I'll tell you, verse 8 says, that though he'll not get up and get him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he'll rise and to give him whatever he needs. Jesus says in verse 9, And I tell you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, 
and it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it'll be open. Now, I want you to notice verse 11. It says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit who asks of him? And we believe this is the word of God. You may be seated. There's a few points I want to just kind of for context's sake point out to you in the story. Uh, First, we notice that this takes place at midnight. Now, remember, this is a time and a culture of early to bed and early to rise. There's no electricity, so that means no 24-hours news station. There's no Netflix. There's no binge-watching a season of a show you like up to 1130, and then you're just now getting in bed about midnight. More than likely, this guy has gone to bed with his family about sundown, and he's in his his REM sleep cycle by now. He's good and asleep. Notice he also says, my kids are in bed with me. Remember, this is time and a period again where you have a lot of one-room houses, right? And so you have maybe a large sleeping area that the family would be sleeping in. I know uh, we all enjoy and love when we get our kids good and asleep at night, something to wake them up in the middle of the night unexpectedly, right? As parents, we just rejoice in that. So you know that this guy's a little frustrated by these knocks on the door. But notice also that the friend is asking him for how many loaves? Three. Right? He's not asking for a slice, not asking him for a half, but give me three loaves. Again, a time and a period in a culture that bakes a loaf of bread pretty much every day for that day. So he's really saying at midnight, listen, I had a friend unexpectedly come over. I know it's late, know you're in bed, but I need three days worth of bread. Will you give it to me? This story is important because this story reveals something about the heart of God in prayer. And I'm going to give you what that is. And so if you want to write this down on your phone or you got a pen out or there's a pen in front of you, you're free to take that pen as a, you know, a commemorative pen for you being where you are sitting today because you may not be sitting there next week for some reason. You might move or something. That was a joke because most of us don't like to move, right? Okay, you're with me. So you can pull out a pen, you can pull out that offering envelope or whatever. I want you to write this statement down because I believe this is something you need to get in your mind and your heart. Prayer does not produce compassion in God's heart. It releases it. Okay, so prayer, it does not produce compassion in God's heart. It releases it. I'm going to say it one more time because some of you are looking at me a little funny there. Prayer doesn't produce compassion in God's heart. It releases it. Okay, so what that means is this, is when we pray, God then does not become compassionate toward us because we pray. When we pray, he releases his compassion toward us. I want you to notice four ways we can pray that I believe this parable teaches us to pray. First, we pray out of a position of desperation. 
We pray out of a position of desperation. Verses 5 and 6, you can scan those again. But you see that this friend has an issue. He has a problem. Someone has come over unexpectedly. He needs bread. He comes knocking to a friend. I need bread. This is my situation. We need to pray knowing that we are always in a desperate situation. See, prayerlessness is really saying, God, I don't need you. When you are prayerless, you're really communicating to God, I don't need you. Now, I might need you for some things, but I really don't need you. I mean, I'll, I'll handle the little things, God, because you're busy running the universe and all, and I'll just come to you with the big things. But the little things I've got, little things, no problem. Big things, I'll pray. Prayer is coming to God knowing we need him for everything. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So prayer is communicating, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't make my heart beat today, but you can. God, I can't make my mind think today, but you can. God, I I can't make air come into my lungs today, but you can. God, I can't heal myself from this sickness, but you can. God, uh, the person I'm praying for to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior of their life, I can't save them, but you can. Lord, my son, my daughter, my grandchild, I've been praying for and praying for and praying for to come back to the Lord. I can't make them come back to the Lord, but you can. See, prayer is coming out of a position of desperation that we are always in, saying, Lord, I can't, but you can. I want you to notice also that we are to pray not only, I think, with desperation, but we are to pray persistently. We're to pray persistently. Notice within the text, he picks up in verse 7 with me. He says, and he answers him, don't bother me. The door's now shut. My children are with me in bed. I don't want to wake them up. I've got to wake up the whole house here. Can I give up, uh, you know, get up and get you anything? I'll tell you, though, verse 8, that he'll not get up and get him anything because he's his friend. But notice why he answers this guy. Yet because of his impudence, because of his persistence, he'll rise and give him whatever he needs. Do you notice how the sleeping neighbor answered his friend? Out of annoyance, right? I mean, it's embarrassing. You're waking up the neighborhood. You're waking up the street here. You just keep knocking and knocking and knocking, and you won't go away. So finally, ugh, I'll get up. I'll get you your bread. Now go back to your house and get away from me. What's interesting in this story is Jesus is not comparing God to the neighbor. He's comparing the neighbor to God. See, when we pray, we're to pray persistently. We're to come to God with our request over and over and over and over again. But don't make the mistake to think that God answers us like the sleepy neighbor. I mean, Jesus, what did he say earlier in Luke 11? How do we address God in prayer? How can we? We call him Father 
talked about this last week. We come to God as Father. We're, when we come to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our lives, he, he brings us into his family. We, he adopts us as children. John 1.12 says that when we believe in him and we receive Christ in our lives, we become the children of God. But God doesn't answer us like I might answer my kids, like you might answer your kids. You know how we answer our kids? Dad, I want ice cream. No. 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 Dad, I want ice cream. Fine, just get the ice cream, right? Parents, amen? Okay? God doesn't work that way. When you pray, God's saying, pray. Talk to me. Let me know what's there. Let me know what's on your heart. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I want to relate with you. I want to commune with you. But when I say that, there's probably some questions that are starting to percolate in your mind. There's probably some questions that you have thought through that are creeping back in right now. First one's going to be this. I guarantee someone online or right now is thinking about it here in front of me. Well, wait a minute. If God knows everything anyway, why in the world should I pray? I mean, we believe that God's a sovereign God. He knows everything. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. So if he's that, why in the world should I even pray? He already knows what I'm going to say. Can I answer a question with the question? Well, I, I, sure, I will. I don't know why I really ask you that because I'm the one talking, so I'll just do it anyway. But just rhetorically, I'll ask you, can I do this? But let me ask you a question with a question. If God didn't know everything, do you really want to pray to that God? I mean, seriously, like if you think about that, if he doesn't already know what's going to happen, do you really want to come to him with your problems? Because here's the great thing in the Bible. You're never going to find God say, oops. You're never going to find God say, my bad. You're never going to find God go, you know what? Just didn't know what was about to happen. Hang on, I'll work out a plan now. It should comfort us to know God knows everything, yet invites us in to pray. But here's the second question. If he knows what I want and I pray, why not just pray once and move on? Right? Like, hey, God, I know you got this already under control and you're all-powerful, all-knowing. Here's what I need. I'm going to pray about it. See you later. Talk to you, you know, soon. I'll just move on about my day. Why keep praying? Because often what we see in the Bible is God answers persistent prayers. I mean, there is a part in the Bible that I believe that we're to pray persistently until God answers. Don't give up on that. Let me give you a few biblical examples. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has a thorn in the flesh. He comes to the Lord the three times. Verse 9 says, God, I want the thorn out. I want the thorn out. I want the thorn out. God says, hang on, Paul. Thorn's staying, but I'm going to give you something better than the thorn coming out. I'm going to give you my grace. Because my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in your weakness. How about Acts chapter 12? Peter is in prison. In prison because he's been preaching Jesus as the Lord and Savior, the one true God. Jews throw him into prison. The church in Jerusalem gathers. They're praying for Peter's release. God, we want Pete out of prison. We need him out. He's our leader. Like, we got to get Pete out. Why not just pray one time, God, we need Peter out of prison talk to you later. We're just going to end the prayer meeting now. Instead, what happens is they're praying. They're praying. And they're praying through the night. They're praying through the night. Lord, we're not going to give up until Pete gets out of prison. 
God sends an angel, frees Peter from prison. How about this is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 17, you have a battle going on between Israel's army and Elimelech's army. And listen what happens in Exodus 17. It says, as they're on the battlefield, Moses is up on a mountain praying. It says, whenever Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hands, Elimelech prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone, they put it under him, he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. What are you seeing? Moses is saying, I'm going to keep my hands up in the air so that they will prevail. When the hands go down, they start losing. When he's doing jumping jacks, all bets are off, right? And what's going on? In the Bible, you see God answers persistent prayers. But when we pray persistently, God's doing something else. He's working in the one who's praying. See, God, I believe, wants us to pray persistently because God's teaching us as we're praying persistently how to be persistent, how to stay the course, how to not give up, how to keep trusting. Just as Catherine sang earlier with Kristen there, knowing that even though it seems like sometimes you're asleep, you haven't left, you're still with us. I love the story of George Mueller. George Mueller, as it's been passed down through history, this story, he was literally a man that lived through the 1800s. And I say that because he was born in the early 1800s, about 1803. He died at the age of 93. So he literally lived pretty much through the 1800s. George Mueller was a pastor and a man known of prayer. As the story is recounted over and over through history, one day he wrote the names of five people down on a piece of paper he wanted to see to come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. A few months later, one friend gives their life to the Lord. Ten years later, two of those friends come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. Twenty-five years later, the fourth friend comes to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. As the story goes, George Mueller did not give up on the fifth friend. It was at his funeral, the funeral of George Mueller, that that friend, that fifth friend, 52 years later, came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of his life. Don't give up praying don't give up praying for the lost friend, the lost child, the wayward grandkid, the wayward neighbor. Don't give up praying what you're praying for this morning. Because what happens is when we pray, it doesn't produce God's compassion for us in his life. It releases it. But I want you to notice also, pray with boldness. I love verses 9 and 10 in the story. Jesus tells you, and I tell you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek. You'll find knock, it'll be open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who finds, and the one who knocks, it'll be open. I believe sometimes we don't have answers in our prayers because we're not asking. We're not seeking. We're not knocking. And I want you to notice that ask, that seek, that knock, those are imperatives. Those are divine mandates. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. He's saying, pray, pray persistently. Come to the Lord with what's on your heart. Come, ask, seek, knock, come to him. He's a good father. 
He's your father that's not going to push you away. He's not your father that is too busy to listen to you. He's saying, ask, seek, knock, come boldly before him. I love 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. And if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, when we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So we want to pray boldly. Pray with persistence. Pray out of a position of desperation. But finally, we want to pray trusting God. We want to pray with trust, that we're trusting him as we pray. Look in verses 11 through 13 with me. He says there, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, that's us, we're sinners, we, we sin against God. If we know, as sinners, how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those of Him who ask? When you pray, trust God with the answers. But it's hard to trust Him sometimes, isn't it? Isn't it hard? And there's, there's times with me, I, it's hard to trust him. Why is it hard to trust him? Why is it hard for you to trust him in your prayers? Maybe because it's been times he's not answered you the way you thought he would answer. There's something you've prayed about that you didn't see the answer to the way you thought. Or it took longer than you expected. And because God in prayer often doesn't meet our expectations and our desires and our wants and our timetable, it's hard to trust him. But I want you to notice again, Jesus is not comparing God to the sleepy neighbor, but the neighbor to God. So he's saying if this neighbor knows how to give good gifts to his kids, how much more? does the Heavenly Father give us? See, in life and in prayer, when we pray, God does something that we often miss. See, we might look at something and say, that's a scorpion. And God goes, no, 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 no. That's bread. Or we might look at something and say, hey, this is bread. This is something good. And God goes, no, 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 no. That's a scorpion. See, the the cancer that you've had in your life or that you have, You might look at that and say, God, that's a scorpion. And God says, no, that's bread right now because I'm using you as a testimony to get the gospel out when you stay faithful in worshiping me. How about this time we're all in? This season we're all in, in our country, and all the things we've had to adjust through and go through. We might look at all the things happening right now and go, God, this is a scorpion. And God goes, no, this is the revival opportunity you've been praying for. This is bread. This is me putting you to your knees. This is me calling you back. This is me shaking up your life and making you look at your foundation. This is bread because it's good. How about the joblessness that you might be in? The joblessness you've gone through. You might look at that and say, God, that's a scorpion. And God goes, no, that's bread because I'm teaching you right now about my faithfulness and how I am the God of your daily bread. See, I love what God does and what he teaches us here. 
He's teaching us that God will give us far more than an answer to a prayer. What does he say in verse 13 he'll give us? That he gives us the Holy Spirit who asks of him. See, this week you can just be encouraged to know that God's going to do more than just answer your prayer. God's going to give you himself. He says, I'm giving you me. How's that possible? How's it possible that God gives us himself? How's it possible? He says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Because 2,000 years ago, humanity put a man on a cross by the name of Jesus. It was a hate crime. A man that was innocent. A man that did no wrong. No accusation could stick against him. It was a conspiracy theory of trumped up charges. We look at what humanity did and we could say, that's a scorpion. An innocent man died. But God said, no, that's bread. He's the bread of life. This is the greatest gift I've given to you in humanity. Someone by the name of Jesus who has taken your sin to the grave, who came out on the other side and said, I can provide you life and fulfill all that spiritual hunger. And the way I do that is when you come to me and you receive me, I put the Holy Spirit in you. So now as children of God, as believers in Christ Jesus, God says the Holy Spirit is deposited in you and he's your power in life. He's with you daily. He's helping you every moment. So when you pray, I'm going to give you more than answers. I'm going to give you me. Because prayer doesn't produce the compassion of God. It releases it. And when you pray, and you pray out of desperation, you pray with boldness. You pray with persistence. You pray trusting God. God's going to do more than give you a yes, a no, a blessing. He's going to give you himself. And that's bread. That's good. Keep praying. Don't quit. Keep going. Because prayer doesn't produce compassion. It releases God's compassion in your life. Let's pray together. I invite you to pray right now where you are, whether you're at home, watching, whether you're here in person. Father, we thank you that your, your compassion is released in our lives when we pray. You're a good father to us. You're a father when we ask for bread will not give us a scorpion. Lord, we're, you're a good father when we think something is a scorpion. You say, no, it could be bread. Father, I pray this morning that we learn to pray persistently, not to give up, to keep seeking, to keep asking, to keep knocking. Lord, we trust you. Lord, Father, that we come boldly before you. And Father, we know that we are desperate. There is nothing we do apart from Christ Jesus. Every moment our heart beats today, you are making it beat. Every moment of breath, you bring it. Apart from you, we have no life. Lord, we're desperate for you. What do you need in your seat right now to pray about? What prayer have you given up on that you need to reignite? Who's the person that you're praying to come to see 
Christ as their Savior that you've quit on. Let me encourage you today. 52 years, George Mueller kept praying. Don't quit. What's the situation right now? You're asking God. God, I need you to move and to work in. Knock. Seek. Ask. It'll be open to you. You'll find. Maybe today it's to come to know Christ as your Savior. Whether you are in your living room or you are in this worship center today, as others are praying, you want to pray, I need Jesus as my Savior and I'm ready to follow Him. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12 that those who believe in Christ and receive Him in their lives, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. Maybe right now you just need to cry out, Jesus, I need you as my Savior, and I'm ready to follow you. Lord, thank you that when we pray, it does not produce compassion in your heart. It releases it to us. Remind us this week, no matter what will happen to us, we can't control everything that will take place, but we can control our response. We can control our attitude. We control our worship. And Lord, we thank you that no matter the challenges we have before us, the Holy Spirit you have given us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.